That's Michelle. And that's Rob. And this is Two Two Librarians librarians Walking to a Shelf. Well, hey, Michelle. How goes it? Uh, It's fine. All right. Welcome to episode 25. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I say that every time, but every time I still think it's crazy that they still let us talk. (laughs) We're in the double digits now. Wow. So I think... You're going to get us started. Uh, we have a subject to talk about this time. It's a subject I care a lot about, and I think that everybody should care about it, and it's important now. It was important five years ago. It's going to be important five years from now. It's media literacy. Media literacy. Mm-hmm. This, is, this has to do with uh, using the internet for your information. Right. So basically, media literacy is being able to evaluate what you're consuming in your media to determine if it's truthful, is it usable, is it valuable, is it biased? And that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. You just need to know that it's biased if that's what you're reading. So it's just evaluating whatever you're looking at in a truthful way. Okay. So, um, this documentary came out last year. It's called The Social Dilemma. People talked about it for a while. I think it came out over the summer. It's on Netflix. And it's called The Social Dilemma. And there's some dramatization aspects, and I hate it when documentaries do dramatizations of things. Like, I think it takes away from the fact that they're trying to teach you something. But the meat of it is interviews with people who have either are still big in the tech industry or were big in the tech industry and decided what they were doing was probably destroying society as we know it and are no longer in the tech industry. And some of them even started a nonprofit about, like, ethics and media, it's called The Social Dilemma. Uh, it's on Netflix. Hopefully, eventually, we can get a DVD copy for the system for people that don't have Netflix. It's not available yet. But there was this quote that stuck out to me in that documentary that I will never forget, and it has kind of scared me. And it's basically, you never know if your thoughts are your own anymore or if it's just the algorithm. Ooh. Yeah. I sat with that for a long time. Like, why do I think? think the way I think about issues. Why do I feel strongly about this or this? Is it because this is my own critical thinking that has come to that conclusion? Or is it because I've just seen so many memes and pretty graphics on Instagram that make me feel that way? Mm. Yeah. And I'm already like, this is a subject that I've cared about for many years. This isn't a new thing. This is something that uh, in like 2017, I went with a few coworkers to the uh, American Library Association offices in Chicago and had specialized training with experts in journalism on how to spot fake news and how to teach people how to spot fake news. So this is something that I've cared about for years, but even, even I had to reevaluate the way I was consuming media at that point when I heard that. I already go out of my way to seek out sources that are not from like my own personal point of view my chosen side of the aisle, if you want to call it that, to try to make sure I don't stay in that filter bubble. Right. But when, when I heard that, is it your thought or is it the algorithm? I really did like an inventory of the media that was coming across my Facebook feed and my Instagram feed. And I don't do Twitter. I hate Twitter. Fair. Anyway, so I've sat with that for months and I think the hidden algorithms are affecting us more than we realize even if you think you know what you're doing on the internet, because it was definitely affecting me. Not that I'm like perfect or the expert. I'm not. This is just something that I care about. And the three points that I want to make, Facebook is my example, because I think it's the most ubiquitous social media. 
I think more people use Facebook. Well, more people do use Facebook than Instagram or Twitter. Definitely. So I'm not trying to pick on Facebook if that's your favorite. I don't want anybody to feel like I'm saying Facebook is inherently evil. Like maybe it is, but that's not my point here today. But it has created a media environment where each post seems to have equal weight to every other post, regardless of its validity or bias or point of view. Everything that comes across your social media feed looks exactly the same. Yes, it does. So is it from, you know, cats are evil dot Facebook dot whatever, like, or is it from CNN? Whether you believe CNN is good or bad, that's another story, but it is a recognized media outlet. Whereas random Facebook page dot com is not an actual media outlet. So where is it coming from? Even if it looks legit, because a lot of, I don't want to call it fake news because not everything out there is fake news, but a lot of, I guess, unreliable or purposefully unreliable news sources look legit. Right. So everything on Facebook looks the same. So it's like a false sense of security that if it's on Facebook, it's okay because everything looks the same. It's weighted the same. So it's given influence to people and ideas who were they sitting in the room of their peers, perhaps never would have been given a platform to begin with. Like people can say stuff on Facebook and they don't have somebody sitting next to them like, dude, what? Right. They get a bunch of likes and thumbs ups and shares and they feel validated in what they're saying, whether it's good or bad or violent or racist or whatever. And they feel good about that instead of somebody, no one is sitting there or in the room with them, looking at them in the face and saying, dude, no. And if someone comments that they can ignore it because it's just a comment on Facebook. Or somebody comments and then everybody attacks that person, given yep. the original poster even more of a, of a thrill that yeah. he's being backed up. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a situation that humans have never found themselves in before. Right. All right. So I have three points. The first one is our brains are so very, very lazy. Mine is. All, everyone's brain is lazy. The smartest people, their brains are also lazy. Our brains are wired to be lazy, to conserve the energy it takes to think. Brains take up a huge amount of energy. Like the theory is, is that our brains didn't really take off and humans didn't develop all the skills that make us human until we started eating meat. Because before that point, we didn't have enough calories to actually fuel our brains. So our brains are hardwired to take the easy way out to conserve our resources. This means it's easier for us to like scroll through our Facebook feed, see the headlines, see the slick looking graphic and be like, cool, I got it. I know the whole story now because our brains are lazy. It's good enough. Right. So you don't read the article and you don't get any context. You don't get any counter information. You don't get any, you know, sources or where did this information come from? Or even if like the headline is salacious and the actual meat of the article doesn't back it up. They need your clicks. Your brain just wants to complete the story itself and move on with it. It's called the law of closure. So like, do you know the World Wildlife Federation, panda? Yes. Yeah. It's just blobs. It's not actually a panda. Like no one, it's not a, a truthful depiction of a panda. It's just blobs of ink. Our brains completed into a shape of a panda. So if you look that up, you'll see it. It really is just blobs but we've turned it into the shape of a panda. And you can look up the law of closure and it'll show you pictures of things. It's not actually a square, but the way the circles are lined up in this image, your brain sees a square. It's very strange. Your brain will complete the picture for you, whether you like it or not. So it completes the headline. 
you hear part of a news story, you complete the rest regardless of what that the truth actually is. And you complete it in the way that your brain likes. So if you want to hate this politician, you already hate their policies, you dislike them for whatever reason, it doesn't matter what news story you see or headline, your brain is going to complete it in the way that your brain likes the most. You don't even have to think about it, it just does it. So you don't like that person, you see a headline that might even be neutral, but your brain has completed the story in a way that that, that politician is a crook. You just assume it. And you don't do that on purpose. Your brain does it for you. You don't even have to think. Your brain just does it. Okay, so social media companies know that this is, the, this is how it is. And they use that against you at every turn, right? They want you to just click the like, the angry, the happy, the sad, the heart on your Facebook post without actually doing anything else. And that gives them data to sell on you because you are the product. The product is not Facebook. We are the product. They are selling us. It's like the Matrix. It is. It, the more I think about it, the more scared I am. <laughs> this is um, they live right here in the real world. It is. So when you were talking about that, yeah. the more you talked about it, I was like, oh, my God. Science fiction isn't supposed to predict the future. Anyway. John Carpenter knew. He tried um, to tell us. So headlines are written as clickbait. Uh, they're written to grab your attention in the hope that you click the Facebook post without actually reading the article. Especially on blogs and not news sites. Like news, you can argue that they also write clickbaity headlines, and they do because they also have to make money. Right. But like the bloggy news sites that kind of take the news and write a hot take on it with the salacious headline, they're the worst at it. They'll write any headline to get you to click on that, to read it, or to click the like, heart, angry, whatever button on Facebook. Because one, that makes them money. It also, makes fake, it also makes Facebook money. So they just want your click. They don't care. I think I'm going to talk about this a little more, but this is why it's so important to seek out information and not just wait for it to come to you on your Facebook or your Twitter feed. It's so important to go to the news website of your choice as long as it's not, like I said, one of those opinion blogs. Right. And if you go to that and you want that hot take, great, but also just like read a regular article about the same thing. You know, opinion, opinion journalism has its place. You, there's, you know, called editorials. Some of them are just called opinion pieces. It's an important part of media. It helps, you know, it's an expert giving us analysis on a situation from their point of view. Or, you know, the editor of a paper giving an opinion from their point of view. That's, there's nothing wrong with that, as long as it's labeled as an opinion piece. Right. But these blogs aren't labeled as opinion pieces. They're just labeled as hot take news or whatever it is. And right. they exist for whatever point of view you want. So, and they just take advantage of the fact that your brain is lazy. Facebook knows your brain is lazy. Marketers for these websites know your brain is lazy. So they just expect that you take the shortcut and they're taking advantage of you. That brings me to the algorithm. That is a big word that basically just means a, a, a set of steps to complete a project or to solve a problem. The algorithm for Facebook is not your friend. The algorithm is meant to keep you scrolling. That's all it's for. They don't care if you actually like what you're seeing. If you click the angry button, they're happy because they made money. So you can say you like funny cat videos. You Who watch, doesn't? Right. You click a few, you like a couple. There's like a heartwarming one, you know, with like a cat with his tongue sticking out and you click the heart button. So Facebook is like, okay, that's three cat videos in a row that this person has interacted with. My data says 
that 90% of people who like cat videos also like goat cheese. Yes. And if, but, but you happen to hate goat cheese, right? But 80% of people who like cat videos also like goat cheese. So now the next thing you're going to see in your feed is like an ad for goat cheese or like 80% of people who clicked on this cat video also then clicked on this vitamin advertisement. So now you're going to see, you know, goat cheese, you're going to see the vitamin and it's like, why would you show me this? I don't need this. 80% of people who like that thing that you liked also. So you're going to see an ad for goat cheese. You're going to see an ad for a vitamin and then you're going to see another cat video because they want you to keep scrolling. They don't care about the information you're consuming. They just want you to stay on their, their website longer, click more, get them more data to sell about you because remember you are the product. It's, if you click any of those reaction buttons, it's more data. So that's why there's so many now. Remember when it was just the thumbs up? Right. And then it was a thumbs up and a thumbs down. Well, with every single click, that's more data they could sell to the advertisers. So, okay, you don't like it and you don't dislike it. So then what do you add? A heart, an angry face. Anyway, the history of the like button and the reaction button is kind of disgusting. And that's my third point, the reactions. Uh, the Facebook reaction buttons have a, there's an interesting but kind of gross history. The thumbs up was introduced first. Facebook realized they could gather a ton of information about the behavior of its users just through the like button. But then they realized they could get twice as much data if they introduced the thumbs down button. And then they spend millions of dollars on research to distill the entirety of human emotion into how many different reactions. It's like an insidious version of the Disney movie Inside Out. Did you see that one? <laughs> I, I haven't, but I, I know I'm familiar with it. Right? That. So it's like... Now we have thumbs up, love, care, wow, laugh, cry, and anger. You know, the inventors of the like button are now on record in that documentary, The Social Dilemma, and also some of them have written books saying that they regret ever introducing that into the Facebook uh, website, period. Because it's just, it's, it's turned people into a product, and they regret that. Because now the algorithm rules. So is it your own thought, or is it the algorithm? Do you like goat cheese? Do you not like goat cheese? 80% of people who like your cat video also clicked angry on this political post. Is that your thought or is it just because that's the next thing that you scrolled through? Did you see that so many times in your Facebook feed that now your brain believes it to be true? That's another thing. Your brain is so lazy. If you see something multiple times, regardless of what it is, you are more likely to believe it's true even when presented with hard evidence that it's not. So that's why repetition and like propaganda is so important. Right. You can say it so many times that people believe it and you can present them with hard evidence that it's not true, but they don't care. Anyway. I think we've seen all kinds of examples of that in the last uh, number of years. A picture can come out and it seems to whoever's looking at it that it's obvious what it is, but until you find out the history of that picture, then it's like, oh, I, I kind of jumped the gun on that because I looked and I assumed by the expressions of everybody in the picture or the this or that, that it was one thing. It wasn't that at all. And uh, do, you, do you see this as kind of a, a dangerous way? I mean, it's inter- it starts as entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. Has it gotten to a dangerous level? I think the fact that it is so pervasive in our lives 
everybody uses most everybody uses social media in one form or another whether you have your own computer at home or you have a smartphone most people have an account that they check somehow um there's an entire book written on this it's called um like war the weaponization of social media but it's basically a, a deep dive into how social media like youtube youtube included and facebook their algorithms are set up to like you click on one iffy video and then you have autoplay turned on on youtube and the next video that plays is going to be like an even deeper conspiracy theory video or like an indoctrination video into like anti-semitism it's not created to do that specifically, but for whatever reason, like with each autoplay video and the algorithm choosing the next video for you, it goes deeper into these like weird fringe things. And people are like, well, that's a nice looking video. It must be true. When like literally anyone can post anything on YouTube, why would you trust it? Right. Unless you know the person that's behind it. If you know, if it's like a person who's behind it, who's like, I am a this person. I am a professor at this university. I have expertise in this area. Here's a video on my expertise. Like it makes sense to believe that person when you can go fact check the fact that that person actually is a professor at that university in that field. But it's like random person dot one, two, three, four at YouTube. Why would you trust their flat earth video? <laughs> I was trying to stay neutral on things here, but like I cannot abide flat earth. I just can't. Anyway, you round earthers. <laughs> so I'm kind of picking on Facebook here, but I think it's just, just the biggest one. So it's the easiest. It's like the low hanging fruit. And the last thing I'm going to say about this is that we all carry biases, bias with the brands we buy and target bias with our car brands bias in the way we interact with strangers on the street. And there's nothing inherently wrong with a bias, but we regularly need to evaluate our biases and decide whether or not this bias is rooted in fact, or if it's a stereotype, or if it's something that you can work around. So, like, the way to do that when it comes to media is there's a website called um, All Sides, and it will present you three articles on the same subject from three different points of view. So we got a center side. It's not a side, but you got articles from the center, the left, and the right. And so that way you can kind of click on something that maybe you wouldn't normally click on. But it's from an actual news site. It's not one of those crazy blogs or whatever. Okay. All right, I've talked too long. I'm going to be done with my TED Talk. Um, I've got a, some books to suggest here. My two favorites I'm going to think, talk about are, I'm just going to tell you the title. Think Before You Like, Social Media's Effect on the Brain and the Tools You Need to Navigate Your Newsfeed. It's by Guy Harrison. And the other one is called You Are Not a Gadget. I've talked about that one on this show before by Jaron Lanier. They're both easy to read and approachable, digestible, not too tech jargon heavy in the way that social media kind of affects the way we think. So. All right. I talked too long. You didn't. You talked just enough. All right. So we've got a book question, a little different than what we've been talking about, but uh, it's <laughs> has to do with something that I'm, I'm going through right now. If a book doesn't grab you, how long do you stick with a book before you, before you give up or do you give up? Do you st- Stay in there? Do you do yeah. you just keep on going? And uh, what do you do if a book's not working for you? Depends on how badly I want to finish the book. All right. But if by about like 75, 100 pages, if I don't care yet, I'm not going to care and I'm done. Interesting. I've, I kind of got burned by 
the, the example I'm going to use, it's almost embarrassing, but whatever. No shame. Everyone I knew was reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. No guilt. And I was like, okay. Everybody, like, everybody's talking about this book. Literally everyone I knew was talking about this book. So I read it. Like 50 pages in, I'm like, why do I care? 100 pages in, I was like, no, thank you, please. Got to the end. It never got better. But the whole time I was telling myself, well, it has to get better. Everybody's talking about it. There's got to be something about this book. Why is everybody talking about this book? And by the time like I'd read all 400 freaking pages and I hated every one. Wow. So like after that, I was like, no. So you don't waste your time with the whole book now anymore. I d- if I'm not interested, if I can't care about the characters, if the writing is terrible and I just can't make it through 75, 100 pages, I'm out. Life is too short. And I tend... Because what I pick is usually within my wheel well. So I, I don't pick too many books that I have a hard time with. But for whatever reason, I never got around to reading Peter Straub's Ghost Story. And that was the big horror book that I was going to read back in October. And I'm still trying to get through it. And it's like 650 pages. <laughs> it's the longest, most boring uh, I love the movie, and that's, I think, why I've continued to, to keep picking it up every couple days or weeks, or I don't think I picked it up once in the month of December. I'm not 100% sure. Well, you were reading your Christmas romances. Right, right. I had priorities then. It finally is getting interesting with 150 pages to go. It's finally now the movie that I love. It's now in needs 150 pages. I could have done without the first 500. Wow. And I hate to give up on a book, especially when there's one and it's considered a classic. So I kind of wonder if it's me that's having a problem with it, but then I look on Goodreads and a lot of people have the same issues. Well, maybe that's why the, the movie is just made out of the last 150 pages. Yeah, 150 pages. Yeah. The last part, it finally gets good and it's about something. Yeah. Um, I think that had I tried to read this any other time in my life, I wouldn't have stuck with it. I see. And when I think of books that I haven't stuck with, the one that I've tried to read like three times and I've given up all three times was The Talisman. It's Stephen King and Peter Straub. Oh, and so maybe you just don't like Peter Straub. I think that that might be it. That's fair. That happens. So, who knows? Yeah, I just, life is too short to read bad books. You're right. Or books, I don't want to say bad books. Life is too short to read books that don't that you don't care about. And with that said, next podcast we'll be doing our... <laughs> Two librarians walk into a shelf book club, and it was my pick. Yeah, it's a Western, a classic Western. (laughs) And I am struggling, but I'm going to get through it because it's our book club pick. This is like schoolwork. So we, you know, you had to read the certain books in school. Right, it's an assignment, and and I have to finish. It's uh, Gunsmoke and Trail Dust by Bliss Lomax. That's on Hoopla. Everybody's got one week. If you want to jump in the conversation, you can certainly... Uh, it is short, so I'm surprised it's taken me this long to get through it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like really short. It's not very long or something. But I just... It's not... I'm just having a really hard time with it. I think we're going to have an interesting conversation about it. I, um... I'm enjoying some of the phrases. Everlastingly bedamned. <laughs> that's said in the book by Coco Nino Williams. <laughs> so... Here's another one. Damn my britches if that ain't the truth. Like, I have a list. So we can talk about that next time. All right. So there you go. And um, let us know what you do. 
send us an email. Let us know what you do when you get stuck on a book. I'm interested to know. I'm I'm betting most people get to a certain point after you read enough books, there's just not enough time to read books you're not into. So yeah, let us know. You can comment uh, when we post on Facebook for our new our new episode uh, coming out. You can email us at madison at hmcpl.org. Just let them know in the in the subject that this is for Rob and Michelle, and they'll ignore it and just send it our way. Yeah, they'll come get us right when it comes through. Yep, Guaranteed. probably. So, all right. Well, that wraps up another episode. Um, always remember, no matter what they try to tell you, no matter how they struggle or try to convince you of otherwise, don't, don't trust, trust robots. robots. The views expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville-Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us. No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project. Maybe we edit that out. You can, he's probably going to leave that in. He's probably going to leave that in.